This is an e-learning course brought to you by Contemplative Light. We are a community of spiritual teachers and writers, graciously offering our insight, experience, and most importantly, our love. We hope you enjoy your course. Hey, and welcome to our module on Raymond Lowell, um, a very profound and intelligent mystic that was a Franciscan tertiary. Uh, he was born in 1232 and lived uh, 1315 and was a very scholarly, educated type who contributed a lot to uh, many fields and uh, is especially remembered right now, at least in this point in history, for uh, some of his ideas uh, becoming the basis of computational theory, uh, elections theory. Um, and many computer scientists almost see him as a kind of founding father in the sense that uh, his logic is very much kind of follows uh, the logic of writing code. And elections uh, theory, you might have heard of the Lowell vote. Uh, that comes from Raymond Lowell. So um, a whole lot of things have come out of his work. Um, he was born on the island of Majorca, right off of Spain, popular tourist destination today. And for uh, most of his early life, he said he lived uh, the life of a troubadour, uh, kind of into poetry and wine and women. He sa said he was very decadent. Uh, other people didn't talk about him that way. They talked about him as more uh, laudable um, and sensitive, intelligent guy. But he looked back on that time after his religious conversion is a time of much more decadence. His religious conversion seemed to happen um, around 1265, so I guess he would be in his early 30s, and he was composing poetry in his room. Um, I guess he was imagining a woman that he was writing uh, poems for, and there in the middle of the room, uh, hanging suspended in midair, uh, was the crucified Christ. Uh, just a very, very palpable vision of Jesus uh, appearing to him in the room um, as, if, as if Jesus was just right, you know, right there in front of him. And so that, that was his religious conversion. And um, again, we've seen this a lot in, in mystics, uh, the kind of uh, courtly love poetry uh, written for a lover and then the the lover becomes uh, Christ, or, or Christ becomes the beloved, and they're the lover. So it's kind of this uh, romantic um, redirection of romantic impulses towards God, and uh, very, very common, and, and happened to Raymond Wall. And after that, he became a Franciscan tertiary, so... Um, you know, he didn't necessarily live inside a monastery or in uh, religious life proper, but um, carried on the work outside the walls and taught a lot. Um, and he began to write uh, more and more and more, and he, he's just written uh, an exorbitant amount of books, uh, some which have been deemed heretical or maybe just less important, or, or maybe the Vatican Committee didn't really want to read them all because there, there's such a large body of work that he came up with. Uh, he's credited with the first uh, 
uh, fictional work in uh, Catuan literature in, in um, one of the one of the tongues of Spanish or, or kind of what became Spanish, but one of the more kind of um, regional regional tongues of, of Spain still still in existence today. Sounds sounds a lot like Spanish though. Um, I studied Spanish myself for a while and was was into different Spanish literature and some around that time, I guess Raymond Wall's very early in the history of Spanish literature, obviously, but um, a lot of interesting stuff actually in Spanish literature around this medieval time and um, a lot of stuff that's kind of mystical and, and actually fascinating. But anyways, uh, Raymond Wall is one of them. And, and so, so all of uh, Raymond Wall's works are, are studied still today in academia and in a variety of departments. I mean, he's really just kind of all over the place. Um, but, but he dreamed his whole life of coming up with the great work, you know, this masterpiece he was going to die. You know, at the time of his religious conversion, he just kind of knew some things, you know, the way, um, you know, certain people kind of get these messages about their life and, and they turn out to be true. And, and they say, you know, I just always in the back of my head knew that, you know, for some reason. And one of his things was he was going to die um, in, in religious service. He, uh, he was going to get killed as a martyr. And another thing was he was going to write just a great work that he would become remembered for. And the great work uh, he did eventually come up with, and he called it the Ars Magna, the great work. So um, it's often used as kind of a uh, phrase to, to connote the Philosopher's Stone in alchemy. And uh, Raymond Lowell did not like alchemy, uh, or at least formal alchemy with chemicals. He, he did denounce it. Um, there's been a lot of books that have been appropriated to him, but it seems like scholars are now disputing, disputing that, that um, a lot of the alchemical writings and magical writings that are attributed to Lowell were written under a pseudonym, somebody else trying to kind of take his brand so they could Get, you know, get their books out there more. Um, so apparently he didn't, he didn't write them is the latest consensus. But um, the Ars Magna is actually a very uh, advanced uh, book. You might even say it has some qualities of integral theory early on. Um, it has some qualities of sacred geometry. Um, but it's mostly about divine principles. Um, divine names are big. Um, he tries to come up with just universal systems of logic that have to do with numbers and shapes. And uh, a lot of his purpose with it was actually converting um, Muslims or Jews. He would take these other monotheistic faiths, find things in common with them, get them to agree to a certain logic and thereby kind of win them over to Christianity. It was, it was kind of a friendly evangelism. Um, it, it might not have always been received that way, but um, when, you think of, when you think of the medieval crusades and, and some of the real aggressive things that the church did, this was 
sounds much more like a friendly banner of, of meeting a Muslim friend at a coffee shop and, and you know, talking to them about all the stuff in common and all the great things about your faith. And, you know, you meet them once a week for for two years. And, and then at the end of the second year, the Muslim friends kind of won over to Christianity. You know, it was kind of like that, you know, like he had a, he kind of had a hidden motive all the time the whole time, but, but it, it worked, it worked. He, he was successful in converting a lot in this, this conversion. A lot of it was going on in North, North Africa, you know, just below Spain. Um, cause you just had a whole lot of influence of, uh, Islam, Christianity and Judaism in Spain around that time, even a fair amount of books written about, you know, the three faiths living together. Um, harmoniously, at least for some, some period of time. Um, although, you know, it didn't, didn't always end up good for some of them. But, uh, Raymond went into North Africa and ended up supposedly getting killed and dying eventually. His, his little game of, um, finding divine principles in common and seeing if he could convert them to his side, you know, Apparently, some people eventually had had enough and knocked them off. But what the interesting thing about that is, uh, yeah, he was already kind of in his late 80s at that time, a long time to be alive for then. And um, apparently his body was never really found. So it's almost as if his death wasn't really officially confirmed. <clears throat> so... There's this kind of mystique about about Raymond Lowell that actually the Ars Magna was some sort of system for him getting the elixir of eternal life and achieving physical immortality, and he actually really didn't die. And because of that, you have him kind of appearing in a lot of different like fantasy novels or fiction novels as this kind of immortal character. Um, but the official consensus is that uh, he did die and he died in service to the church. He he got famous for um, defending the Immaculate Conception as well and coming up with the kind of theology of the Immaculate Conception. Um, the only way, you know, something like that could ever happen is if Mary was completely without sin and pure and hence the Immaculate part of the Immaculate and Immaculate Conception. So um, that was a big point um, of his contribution. He's had kind of this open, uh, I guess, an open ballot for sainthood for, for a long time, meaning like for hundreds of years, but he's, he's gotten up to the, the status of blessed, but, but never been canonized, at least not yet. So, so he well could be canonized. Um, but the Ars Magna is, is a fascinating work. Um, you might actually even be able to get a free copy of it online in PDF form um, if you want to kind of go through it, but you might want to just peruse through it. It's, um, you know, it, it, it is very fascinating, his system, and definitely, definitely mystical, um, probably a whole mystical practice. Um, you could have just just from studying the Ars Magna or, or just trying to study 
um, just just reading it period is is probably um, you would probably gain something um, because there there's something really profound about the way he's kind of tied in principles and numbers and um, geometry and it's really kind of a conceptual tool in a sense and in, in, in a contemplative tool and kind of contemplating God so um, that's Raymond Wall very fascinating character and um, hope you enjoyed this module and God bless and hope you are well wherever you are right this concludes our course. To learn more, please visit our website at www.contemplativelight.com.